Did you know that when you DM for kids between the ages of 8 and 13, you are going to get the perspective of D&D you never thought you would? Uh, For example, ask them to make a name for a character you already built for them. There will be clever um, Melgo, very D&D, Dex, very literal for a rogue, and then there will be Headbasher, which... You know, when you're doing a one shot, sure, you can manage that. But when it becomes a five shot or they want to make it a full campaign long term, you're dealing with head basher as the name. (laughs) And so you have to deal with things like that. You also have to deal with um, them going shopping before adventuring, not for healing potions, but for potatoes and a frying pan. And so that is the joys of DMing for children. Awesome. My my daughter's character's name is Puggy because she used to be obsessed with pugs. Um, and she has a saber tooth pug whose name is Buffy. And it's a very confusing because she's Puggy, but she has a pug that's not Puggy. <laughs> so it's a very confusing when we when we play and we often <laughs> missay the name between her and her actual pug. My my daughters, uh, their characters' names are Annie and Fred. Annie is uh, an elven paladin, and it's spelled A apostrophe N I I. So okay, sure, you fantasied it up a bit. Fred is literally Fred, F R E D, and is a half orc ranger who has a pet pig named Bob. <laughs> I was like, do you want a little bit more of a fantasy? And my my daughter Gwen was like, no, no, no. this is good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah great. <laughs> it's a mimic, the round table Dungeons and Dragons discussion where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another episode in our conversation on Dungeon Master Tips. I'm Dan and with me today are Casey and Pepperina. And this episode is called DMing for Kids, a.k.a. D&D for Halflings. We've previously covered a lot in our conversations on dungeon mastering, including world building, condition effects, some variant rules, and managing the game both in-world and from a meta perspective. In the last couple of DMing episodes, we went over how dungeon masters can think about different senses to add verisimilitude and authenticity to their games. You can find over 30 episodes covering DM tips, tricks, and inspirations on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and dozens of other podcast apps. Or you could jump over to the YouTube and dig into our entire playlist on Dungeon Master Tips that we've built there. In this episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, this panel of Dungeon Masters is going to talk about the challenges, rewards, and techniques that we've encountered while DMing for children. Running the game becomes a whole different beast when it comes to keeping kids engaged and having fun, but the smiles and laughs are worth every moment. But before we get started, let's talk about the demographics we're each familiar with and our own personal history with DMing for kids. Um, So let's get off the horse real quick here and roll for initiative. I got a 17. Holy moly. In true form, six. (laughs) But was it in the box? I didn't even try for the box. <laughs> <laughs> I've run games for uh, my kids and uh, one of my good friends, his kid as well. We've run we've run games. All of them are the same age. So they're all currently eight, but we've been running this campaign for off and on about two years. So I started at six and um, the, my daughters are asking me, 
every day why we aren't playing more D&D. But yeah, uh, it's they started at about eight years old. What do you guys got? Or started at six. We're there now currently. Eight. What do you guys got? Um, yeah, so I have two kids, a boy and a girl. Um, my daughter is 10. My son is 13. We started our family game. It's been a few years now. I believe my first time DMing was over Thanksgiving 2020 because we all had COVID and couldn't do anything else. <laughs> so um, I created a game for them, sort of a spinoff of our family game that my husband um, normally DMs. So oh, like one shot, but with the same characters. So I guess they would have been eight and 11 then. And I've since DM'd for a couple of friends, kids as well, who have never played anything before. So very first time fresh out of the gate um, DMing for kids. And I think she's somewhere between my kids, like between 10 and, and 13. Okay. Um, I just recently had my first experience as for DMing um, for kids. My nieces and nephew and my, my sister, their mom, uh, came to visit uh, a couple months ago and they have been asking me for a long time to play D and D and learn. And, um, they watch stranger things. And so that just like enforced it in them. They're like, please. Yeah. So <laughs> they're from another province. So when they visited, um, I put together a one shot, um, which we have not finished yet. <laughs> <laughs> are you doing, are you doing it digitally now? Like, are they still around or? Um, yeah, so we moved online and so now we're, we're finishing it up. And so cool. they are, um, 11 and 12 twin girls that, that are 11 and, um, Jude is 12. And so, uh, they absolutely loved it and just could, like, they didn't want it to end. Like we played till midnight some nights and they were just like, no, let's stay up. So it was so fun for me as the DM and for my sister to also not only learn and know what they're getting into, but just experience it with them as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, how, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say my daughter also is constantly begging to play. So I find it's like funny between the three of us, every one of them is like so eager to get yeah. into it and play and play more and let's keep going. Case, you mentioned that they watched uh, Stranger Things. I've got D&D shit all over every single wall in here, um, mm -hmm. including a table that is dedicated to D&D that has a battle map on it 24-7. Um, my kids kind of grew up knowing what D&D was, but hearing me talk about it through the closed door every week as we're recording the podcast, as well as having all my friends over once or twice, three times a week to play, that's how they learned. How did your guys' kids learn about D&D and... Um, how did the campaign launch with them? Like, how did you actually get started playing D&D with them? So, I guess me first, hey? I, I, yeah. I went the <laughs> you, you, already, Go ahead. you already answered. <laughs> um, I mean, if anybody who's seen my Instagram knows that my basement is full of minis and Specifically D &D and exclusively <laughs> dragons. <laughs> I'm going to read you. I just did... Um, parent-teacher conferences for my kids and my daughter has a piece of artwork in the hallway and it is a shoe that she had to design and I'll show you guys if the camera will pick it up it's got dragons on it nice. um, this nice. is a little excerpt from what she wrote her sales pitch 
I was inspired by my mom's over 100 dragons as I notice at least one every day while I'm in my basement. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> so I'd say that's how they learned. <laughs> they, they literally sit, their computers are next to our mini bookshelf. Um, so mm. they sit, spend all their time on their computers and just stare at my wall of of minis and dragons um so and just seeing we usually hold all our games in our house uh we have three different groups that come over so they see everybody come over and um you know hear us down there playing every weekend and um just wanted wanted to play with us so nice i'm very jealous of your dedicated spaces now (laughs) um i essentially have been playing heavily in D&D for the past like five years um, but a little more like eight years total Mm. and essentially when I was playing it like essentially weekly for a couple years um, I always needed to visit with my family remotely like I said they're in another province and so I I think they learned that I was always unavailable Sundays because I was playing D and D. So they're like, "What is it? What are you doing?" <laughs> so like I explained it to them, and they thought, "Oh, that sounds fun," and kind of I think left it at that. And then um, I got them uh, like a D and D kids book, like a story, which was. Uh, two Christmases ago and I gave it to my one niece who was the most interested at the time and then they all read it and then yeah and stranger things and just it seemed to be popping up more and more outside of me telling them what it is and so they just got more invested and that's really how they ended up learning about it it's my fault and I (laughs) I am not sorry I'm slowly teaching my four-year-old nephew about dragons. Like every holiday, every like birthday, I give him a dragon. And when I go over there, we talk about dragons. He draws me pictures of dragons. That's so <laughs> like, cute. I'm like trying to get it because my sister's family is not nerdy at all. They're like NASCAR hockey hunting. They're not, <laughs> they don't know anything about superheroes, anything. So like I'm trying to get one of them. <laughs> I'm trying to hook one of them. Yes, do it. I'm starting with the youngest and we just talk about dragons all the time. Um, So what has been the most rewarding part about DMing for kids that uh, you have noticed? For me, it's been um, funny enough. I love, I've always loved DMing for new players um, and kids are just a exaggerated version of a new player. Um, They, new players have always, they, they think outside the box, a, a, an experienced player, a veteran player, like knows the rules, knows what they can do within the rules and kind of knows how to best utilize their actions. Um, whereas a kid or a new player is just like, no, man, I want to do a backflip over that orc. Let me do a backflip over that yes. orc. <laughs> right. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. You do backflip over the orc, roll this check or roll this dice. Right. Um, so being able to see like the imagination um, of of the kids and how they um, troubleshoot the the situations has been really really cool to witness, um, and has helped me DM for older veteran players because then I could if if my players aren't going to be creative I will be creative and then the orc is backflipping over you. <laughs> so <laughs> nice, yeah. yeah. 
Um, I think for me, well, one, like I said, it's a family game. So it's really nice to, in this crazy chaotic world where everything's on screen now and, you know, you don't really get, it's hard to make that family time. Um, Especially we own two businesses. So our schedules are crazy chaotic and to set aside that chunk of time on the weekend to just sit (laughs) and spend time as a family is really nice for us. Um, and yeah, just seeing their personalities come out and their laughs and their like nervousness and, um, just seeing them get into it, I think. And then asking me to do more. And, um, I was very nervous to DM at all. Um, and I still have only DM'd for adults a couple of times. So my (laughs) chunk of my experience is with my kids and they just make it so easy to, to do. Yeah, I can relate to both of what you said. Um, it's it's <laughs> it's so interesting just to see how different they view things. And like they they don't think of just the classic ways of of attacking or they may know like they will look at their sheets and know all of the ways they can attack and then choose not to because they're like, well, I don't know if she would. And they just get fully like immersed in what their character would be and be like, no, I'm going to try and talk to it. I'm going to talk to it. And it's like, it's a giant hill giant. That's not going to want to talk to you. And they're like, no, I'm going to try. I'm like, you certainly can. (laughs) (laughs) And so it just makes you kind of go out of your expected like modes of actions and you just have to adapt and overcome some of the stuff and make a lot of shit up as you go, just because it's like, okay, I never thought you would try this, but you got to do it. And then when you see the outcome or like I did theater of the mind. Mm. And so when you see them just like fully immersed in what you're explaining as the outcome and you just see them all like cheer together because they beat something or it worked and they're successful it's just it's so rewarding and just to see that like they're wholeheartedly in it like a hundred percent and so it's sometimes hard to get kids to be that focused on something and D&D can do it yep (laughs) yeah for sure yeah um my daughter, uh, one of them has uh, ADHD, and the only time I could get her to sit down and sit still for longer than you know 10, 15 minutes on any certain thing is with D and D because it's keeping them engaged or Minecraft. But definitely, <laughs> the better option is D and D for sure. Well, in my household, the only one that does not diagnosed with ADHD is my daughter. So, of the four of us playing, three of us. <laughs> have it so yeah yeah, it's let's get into the meat of the episode here let's talk first about some expectations and hurdles to overcome and to meet when you are dming for kids now for me what i have found um you have to approach dming a kid far different than you do adults adults have a and, and older teenagers have a breadth of experience when it comes to novels and media that they've taken in. Um, you mentioned Stranger Things. That's kind of a really good example of if someone has watched Stranger Things before, they know kind of how d is going to flow. 
kids don't have that. So when you are approaching generating a story for kids, um, your expectations have to be uh, lessened (laughs) a bit. Because like you said, if there's a hill giant, they're going to want to go talk to the hill giant rather than fight the hill giant. And they're going to do what you least expect at any given turn. Um, You also will notice that, uh, as we mentioned with the ADHD stuff, a child's attention span waxes and wanes. It, it is it is going to do its own thing. So um, my games have ranged from 15 minutes to three hours. Um, and that's kind of been the range that I've been able to get my kids to sit still for. You don't want anything too dark and gritty and, and, and grim dark with all of the settings. Uh, are and, and with the campaign setting you have, you want to embrace the fantastical, the 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 um, silliness almost of it um, to really build them up. You don't want to be, you know, giving them that moral dilemma of like, do we kill all the goblin children? Don't do <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> there's also the issue of fairness and how far more important to a kid fairness is because they haven't been beaten down by the real world. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But it's fairly important to them, right? And they want their fair shake at the can. They want their fair um, turn at the table. So we got to worry about these kind of things. Finally, setting boundaries. Um, There is some, like, like I mentioned, there's some Subjects you just don't do with kids. So you have to be really, really sure that um, you are not broaching inappropriate contents when it comes to kids. There are a lot of expectations and things that kids have when they bring to the game that you kind of have to meet. So um, guys, I want to roll dice. I want to have a bit of a discussion here. Um, as DMs, when you are thinking about the uh, your story, what you're hoping to attain, the goals you've set, how complex do you make it when you're uh, dealing with kids? How um, how many sessions in advance do you plan for, if that's even a thing? Um, let's let's roll dice, get some initiative, and we'll have a talk about this. I rolled a nat twenty. Of course you did. Nice. <laughs> I it's got a my 15. new dice with a dragon skull in it. It's treating me good. <laughs> in true form, I'm in single digits at nine. <laughs> We we have to get the curse that is on you removed, Casey. You're our healer. <laughs> yes. And so maybe it's my dice telling me, no, you do go just later or last yeah. always. Yeah. Yeah. See what mm-hmm. chaos comes from everyone else and then fix it. <laughs> yeah. A lot of All right. So Peps, you'll go first here, of course. Um, when you are creating the scope of your story, what, <laughs> what, how far in depth are you going? How complex are you making the plot lines? What are you doing? Um, I generally just planned one shots. Um, like I said before, we have a world that our family plays in that mm-hmm. my husband DMs for. And when I DM, it's within that same world. And it's more of a like one shot. They're in the tavern and someone gave them a mission to go do this thing. Um, And then when we go back to the campaign, that's where like the the huge overlying story. That's where my husband comes in and has a whole thing um, planned out. But um, I'm not much of a planner. (laughs) (laughs) like long scope. So I get an idea and I roll with that idea. Um, 
a lot of my ideas come from terrain pieces that I've built. Okay. And sometimes I just build them and I don't have a plan for what I'm going to do with them. I just get an idea and I build it. And then I create a story around that. So that's, that's how I do it. It's probably backwards. (laughs) That's how my mind works. And I think my kids really enjoy that because they watch me build that piece and then see it on the table. Um, and see so you're definitely not a theater of, of the mind gamer when it comes not, to the kids. Yeah, not with the kids usually because okay. they like having their little minis out there and and that kind of thing. So okay, uh, case. Um, well, I think you're actually next. Dad. Oh, hey, yeah, I guess I am. Like <laughs> if we're rolling with the dice rolls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, I, I it's kind of the same. I I, I plan on a one shot. Now this, this, whenever I plan a one shot, it doesn't matter if it's for kids or for adults. Uh, it never is just one. Um, it yeah. always becomes a full weekly campaign. My goal going into it is that I am planning a little one shot. Like um, when the kids were really little, instead of reading stories to them, I would just tell a story to them and I would make it up as I was going along with, and I would give them the freedom to kind of speak up while I'm telling the story. It'd be like, Oh no, um little star the bear who's a night wizard also did this one thing when they were hunting for the rock and roll butterfly like it, it's that level of uh stuff and and i would then take that to the table and then uh the the kids would kind of tell me what they wanted to play by what stories we were telling at bedtime and and um that really helped with a lot of it, but it was never complex, right? It was go find this one thing and there is one encounter and then the thing, right? It it never complex. Now, um, where we're at in the campaign, I actually had Adam sit in for a session. He was free an afternoon somehow. Um, And he created this Eric Okra who kind of, we just all played D&D together, him and my kids and me. And, um, at the end of the session, I had Adam's character kidnapped by a giant eagle. Um, mostly because, like I said, there was a nighttime story about a friend of their stuffies, who are the main characters of <laughs> our bedtime stories, um, that was stolen by a giant eagle. So I, I just made that Mr. Plymouth, who is Adam's character. And... Um, we have been trying to get through a wizard's tower that Mr. Plymouth is at the top of for the past couple of weeks now. Um, and eventually I'll have Adam back, but like, that's the most complex we've gotten. And I've noticed the kids have a better mind for remembering the details of what happened in previous sessions than I do. Um, so I'll be like, okay, so you guys were standing outside the door to this tower. And they're like, daddy, there was no door to that tower. And I'm like, all right, there was no door to that tower. All right, well, you'll notice a series of windows a little bit higher up the tower. And they're like, daddy, there were no windows on the tower either. And I'm like, okay, what do you guys want to do? How are you getting into this tower? <laughs> so so uh, I'm, I'm noticing that you, you don't have to make it cookie cutter. Like it, it can have some complexity to it, but it, it's definitely better if you leave space for improvisation when it comes to your story for the kids. Yeah. I think you're just going to stress yourself out if you over plan because they are going to just wipe that slate clean and you're going to be doing a whole different thing anyway. (laughs) Like immediately they're, they're, Mm -hmm. they're the best and the worst of players. Like they, (laughs) they have 
this ability to just be like, oh, you had a plan. That yeah. was a good thing to have had. <laughs> you don't have one now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just did a Halloween session where like it was based off of the Buffy episode where they go into the haunted frat house and the door closes behind them yep. and disappears. So my son is like, I'm going to just hang out outside and see if you guys come back. <laughs> like, <laughs> in, you in, have, in you have the, to go in the house or you will just be standing outside of the house. <laughs> in the campaign that Case and I are in that Adam runs, there was one of those. And that was what two weeks worth of sessions, Casey? Like three weeks? Yep. Like a haunted house. And Dave is just standing outside twiddling his thumbs, like, okay, guys, Adam had to like create NPCs to give other players who just decided <laughs> the characters weren't going in the house. So he's like, Yeah, all right, there's NPCs in the house, Dave. You're gonna play this guy now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to just entertain you if you're not actually playing. <laughs> yeah, right. We did mention theater of the mind versus minis and terrain and stuff real quick peps mm -hmm. how in depth are you going here with the terrain and the minis and um we have a series of different ways that we play uh when we play in-house we have um one of the tvs like in a in a table where we do digital maps with um i have my physical terrain and then we have a drawing board where we can just draw like quick maps mm -hmm. if you need to make something up on the fly um so usually with my kids, I take a piece of terrain that I made and usually they're ones that I did for the encounter terrain 10 by 10 challenge. Mm -hmm. So they are four inches by four inches or 10 centimeters by 10 centimeters. Um, so they're just a very small piece of, of the terrain. And then I have to build something around it. So I will either put that on a digital map or I will take our like grass field and put it in there or things cool. like that. Okay. Um, I typically do theater of the mind, um, because usually going into the, the sessions with my kids, it's not really, uh, okay. On Saturday night at six o'clock, we're playing D and D it's uh, okay. We've got two free hours. Let's do this. Right. Um, so usually I'm sitting down, I don't have any maps or terrain or anything prepared. I do have miniatures for the kids. So, um, and I have um, quite a selection of miniatures here. So if, if there is, um, the girls love to play with their minis. However, I have noticed that when I started playing with them, um, they can't keep their hands off the little toys on the table. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, I remember one encounter, they were fighting a very large zombie. I think I was using like an ogre mini for it. And you know, the D and D ogre mini where it's got the, uh, um, like the big stick that has the two uh, nails through it and it's making like a growling face. Like it, it, I feel like it's been one of the longest lasting minis that they've had. Um, but they just took that thing with its little weapon and started hitting things along the table and moving stuff around. And I learned then that having complex battles isn't really a great idea, especially if you're using miniatures, if you're doing theater of the mind, I think it's a little bit easier um, just because they don't have that distraction of the fun little miniatures on the table. 
And maybe well, it's an, it's like an evolution to like you reach an age level where they yeah. can accept that those just stay where they are on the table. And, <laughs> or you have a wall of miniatures that they are not allowed to touch and they know they're not yeah. allowed to touch. <laughs> it's a very big rule in my house. You are not allowed to touch mom's minis. So yep. they, oh, I, I've had they've to, known that for the past four years that they're not I've, allowed I've to had touch to those. institute that rule here because there have been casualties. Like yeah. there have yeah. been minis that have... <laughs> My my son got a hold of them, and now there's no base for the shark mini. Oh no! Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm dreading DMing for my son, who's five, um, just because he is that much more, let's say, hyperactive. He is just that much bigger of a personality. Um, getting him to sit down and not touch the minis, fine. Like after, we're gonna play this game. We're now using them, but you're not allowed to touch them yet is going to be a big hurdle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think too it's certainly if they've they've been immersed and seen minis like long like it <laughs> through their whole life already, which is wonderful. I'm like so jealous. Um I'm like wish that for my kids one day. Um it can be overwhelming to throw, especially like if they're brand new to D&D, like throwing them a character sheet, giving them dice, and then throwing a map in front of them plus miniatures. Um, and if in my scenario, I potentially was doing a one shot, but knew it probably would go longer and it might move online. I also didn't want to take that away from them being like, okay, you don't get to like, have the miniatures and maps in front of you because that's too complicated for Casey right now to do online. <laughs> so. There, that, there are resources for that, but yeah. <laughs> if if I found as a DM learning those processes at the same time as running the games was difficult at best, right? Yeah. Like, Yeah. And I wasn't quite prepared to go down that road yet. I actually believe that they will help me with that one day if we keep playing together and we we will have to play online most of the time that, you know, my nephew will then say, you know, Casey, I found this app and you can build maps on it. (laughs) And I'll be like, oh, okay," And like, he'll probably do it for me because, yeah, kids these days. And yeah, like like it's. It's it, I love playing with miniatures and on maps, but even I see how as soon as you throw it out there, it they stop thinking about a lot of other stuff and focus on like counting how far away they are from one things or just focusing on where they are based on other like things on the map. What's that? What's going on over there? Is this something? And so like you can easily like if you as well are learning a lot as a DM and feeling overwhelmed because DMing can be overwhelming to just nix that and just give yourself the freedom of deciding in the moment how far away some things are. It's like you are you are like two movements away. So your movement's 30 feet, you're 60 feet away. So if you wanted to, and then you can explain the rules that way too, to help them learn. And it just kind of makes it a little bit easier that way. And then you can build up to, you know, pepperina (laughs) style of doing things for sure. That's actually a great point. Um, the language you use while DMing for kids needs to be different than you would be for adults, right? Like, yeah. Um, 
quite often at a typical D&D game, you're like, you're 30 feet away, or you can certainly reach that or, or whatever it is, right? But being a little bit more clear and free, even with the rules, um, yeah. really helps because if you are going to bog down the kids with some of the rules, um, that might detract from their interest in playing. You you just hit the nail on the head with, you know, your two movements away. That's perfect. You could get there in about two turns, right? Is yeah. a lot better than saying, oh, it's, you know, 90 feet away. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys done session zeros with your kids? Have you done um, any sort of like, before you sit down and play the game, is there any sort of prep work you guys are doing with your kids to prepare them for D&D outside of character creation? Um, I think... We didn't have like a formal like session zero, you know, um, it was the character creation was a big part of it uh, when we sat down and talked about what they wanted and, you know, where they were going. And it's easy on my end. They're my kids. I know them very well. Yeah. Um, they live at my house. I see them every day versus if you're DMing for like when their friend came over. I don't know this girl that well. Um, so I had to sort of be more general about it. You know, with my kids, I know what they can handle and what they can't <laughs> and their personalities and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, so I think if you're doing a group of maybe kids that don't live in your house, that you don't see every day, just not a formal session zero, but just having them over and talking about like, what do you want to get out of this game? Um, what kind of things do you like? And just talking to them and, yeah. and learning them a little bit more, I think would be helpful um, in this sort of scenario. Cause a lot of it is just knowing them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I've found with my DMing with kids that, the session zero is more just the discussion that, okay, fine. We will play D and D let's, <laughs> let's, let's figure this out real quick uh -huh. because, and, and it's usually over dinner and it's usually immediately, Oh, I want a big magical great sword. And uh, no, 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 no. We're just going to talk about, do we want to pretend we're pirates? Do we want to pretend mm -hmm. we're adventurers? Like how do we want to do this? It's not a big formal thing. It is, it is that initial discussion of uh, sitting down with your kids or, or you said, even if the kids are kind of new to you, if you're running for like a school or um, um, a community group of some sort, um, you could sit down just before the session even, and just be like, okay, guys, what are we looking to get out of this? What are the inspirations almost for you guys to play D and D? Is it stranger things? Is it, um you've watched nothing but disney movies and now have this idea or, or your kids are young enough to watch bluey which is a fantastic program i love that program but like <laughs> they watch bluey and they see how the you know the family is constantly lost in this imagination and and pretending and and having um fun that way how to utilize that in a dnd sphere right? Like mm -hmm. what is their inspiration that gives you as a DM a proper way to manage their expectations going into the game? Because if you're not meeting those expectations, they're going to walk away and be like, oh, that was a waste of time. Don't want to do that again. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, the session zero has always been just a, you know, what has caused you guys to want to sit down and play this game now? 
Yeah. Right. Other than your dad being a gigantic nerd and <laughs> doing nothing but talking about the game and trying to get your mom to play the game with me, but she doesn't. <laughs> so like it, it's um, that that's kind of where it's been for me always. Yeah. And trying to I think it's great to if you if you don't have a set plan yet, you're rolling with, OK, we're starting a campaign and it's a brand new group, even some of them may just be excited to play and have like no sense of even what the options are for where you can go, what you can do. But as a DM, if you throw out some options, like, do you want to be on ships? Do you want to be in space? Do you want like, and just kind of gauge what lights the kids up? Like, how do they like, which ones go? (gasps) And like, you can kind of see what you could throw at them along the way based on that having that session zero where it's like let's just gauge the interest in certain words or phrases even um and like lots of like my nieces and nephews um especially my nieces have really dived into like Percy Jackson and oh, so yeah, cool. I, yeah I think a lot of it is like it even makes it actually more palatable in terms of you can maybe make it a little bit more complex for using the rules if the topic is relatable. Yes. Because yeah. they, you can use phrases or you like Hercules or gods or heroes. And if that's something recognizable, then it's at least one thing that they feel like they know already, especially when there's so much new that they might encounter. Mm-hmm. So using reference towards things they know. And same, even when I was playing with like, Um, having encounters and different like little monsters that they might have to um, engage with they might decide to try and talk to it which is what they always did Um, but doesn't matter if it's a giant or an ooze or anything like Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) they will attempt to talk to it (laughs) oh if it's an animal in my world my kids are trying to make it their pet like we have a walking zoo at this point (laughs) yeah Yeah. And sometimes if you're just describing it at first without actually showing them a picture or showing or pulling out a miniature, um, I would say it's it's like the size of baby Yoda and Grogu or it does this like Grogu with the orbs puts the (laughs) orbs in its mouth. You know, like I'm pulling from things I know that they know really well and love and then they can relate a lot and be like, ah, that's like hilarious. or whatever and so that helps kind of I guess gauge which direction and how to keep the flow going if they're brand brand new too yeah um well how do you guys decide so I I mean for me my sessions tend to run between like I said earlier 15 minutes and three hours it depends on how long I can hold their attention for um how long do your guys's games typically go like Um, session to session I'd say like two to three hours is usually yeah. a, a good size session for them. Yeah, I had, well, I was lucky enough to play with fully invested, slightly older kids, like 11 and 12. So they were like, they would have played all night if yeah. we let them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we played uh, three to four hour sessions. Oh, wow. We had the luxury of it. And they would not stop. Like, <laughs> finally, my sister had to be like, okay, I think Casey's burned out. <laughs> we like, should probably do dinner Casey, now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think my daughter would like keep on playing. And 
my son, I think, gets to a point where he's like, okay, can I get on my computer now? <laughs> yeah. A uh, uh, good friend of ours, uh, their kid is named Lyndon. And Lyndon is one of the most like hyper-focused kids on the planet. Um, I could sit and play D&D with that kid for eight, nine hours. And he, would, he wouldn't even bat an eye. He'd be like, oh, we need to eat? Why? We're playing D&D. <laughs> yeah. um, whereas my kids is like, after 15 minutes, I need to check in and be like, are we still good to play? <laughs> right. Uh, Lyndon tends to it. One of my daughters has a whole like, okay, I'm bored. I'm going to get up and walk away thing. And she's done it a couple of times during sessions. And it's just like, all right, well, Gwen's gone. Um, <laughs> and, but like, she'll come back and like, nothing has uh, like, she didn't just get up and walk mid combat off the table. Um, but our sessions, depending on who we have at the table, tend to fluctuate. Um, whenever I have Lyndon, it's never less than three hours. Never. And like the times I've played with Lyndon have usually been when we're on family vacation at the lake um, where all of our kids are around and there is no TV that they could really go to. So they sit down, they shut up and we get to play some D&D. Um, um, so those sessions tend to be on the longer side, but um, for the typical yeah, we got two hours. Let's play. I might have an hour of free time still. So who knows? When you guys are uh, DMing, what are the biggest challenges you've had when you're DMing with kids and how how did you resolve them? I think sharing the table mm. is a big one. It's um, my kids are very opposite in the way where my son is a huge extrovert and my daughter is a huge introvert. So he is very big and has these ideas and wants to do all these things and, you know, gets very excited about it and she'll sit back and be a little bit more quiet. So it's, it's that trying to teach him that like you aren't the center of the game um, and teaching her it's okay to speak up and have ideas. So I have to like sort of manage that with both of them and, and say, okay, that's a great idea. Um, but let's see what Puggy wants to do. My kids are the exact same. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, to, to a T. Uh, Nora is very reserved and will let Gwen kind of run things. And I've got to be like, right, Gwen, calm down. Nora, speak up. Let's, let's, what, what does Annie want to do here? Um, and with the way we've built her character, like there, she's got a limited amount of actions that I've given her so that to kind of open up her imagination. But it usually takes her a second to be like, oh, right, I can talk now. So um, making sure you're into, I mean, this is a general DM tip, right? Like, mm -hmm. doesn't matter if they're five or 35, make, giving players their time to speak um, is vital. And that's not just making sure you're giving them the time, but making sure everyone at the table is giving them their turn, mm -hmm. right? Like, no one wants to play at a table where they're constantly being talked over, so speaking from personal like experience too like adam's been very great at that he's had very large groups around the table when especially when we're all there in our regular mm -hmm. campaign and lots of times i can just get in my own head thinking a lot but then not say much and he makes a point of of doing that where it's like zenti you have been sitting around for a while <laughs> what you been doing and so i'm like oh okay and so then you kind of like jump back in and so he's great at that and i've actually recognized that to try and 
be conscious of that as a DM too. And with kids completely agree. That was my note on it was if you present them with a scenario, they all will want to talk at once. They will all want to do things like right away. And so even if it's not quite initiative yet, I have also just tried to defer to, okay, well, let's roll for initiative in just each of you will get your turn, but let's not let me decide, okay, because you said something first or you were the loudest yelling over everybody, you'll go first. It's like, okay, let's roll. And then this is all happening at the same time. Let's start, okay, here and work through everybody to, for them to do like their one thing. And then we can go around three times if we need to, to get through everything you wanted to do, but each one gets their time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I've, I have a little, uh, it's not egg timer, like one of those little hourglass. And if they are getting, like, I'll give them the time to discuss, but if they're taking too long and be like, okay, guys, I've got the hourglass combat's going to start when the sand hits the bottom go figure out what your plan is. Right. And, and the girls have responded well to that. They've, they've, um, and every single kid is different. Like we've all, we've all read those parenting books that are like, here's the one specific way you need to parent your kids. And it doesn't work for your kids because (laughs) every single kid is different and responds to different, uh, um, stimulus and different direction. Um, and they respond to it differently. So like, uh, you kind of got to understand, test it out a bit and don't be afraid to test out different methods to kind of hold on to their attention or help direct that conversation. Because yeah, I've got the one kid that is loud, the one kid that is quiet. And normally the kid who's loud's plans are the ones that will get them killed. So like, <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> Nora, 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 speak up and say why charging into the mouth of the blue dragon's a bad idea. Speak up. <laughs> so like it, it's it's you kind of got to know the kids. You got to roll with the punches. Um, one of the big hurdles I've had as a uh, as a DM with with specifically my kids beyond holding their attention um, is more just a problem with with my brain and that is remembering the details to the same extent that they remember them um in the way that they in the way that they remember them so like um i mentioned earlier the whole tower with the doors and the windows and everything else um one of the best things again this might just be a general dm tip but one of the best things i found with kids is when you're done the session do a little bit of a recap like what did you like about the session um, what, what is the takeaway? Right. And as a DM, I'm making notes on that because then I could flip to that page when I have that two, three, two hours, let's do this. Um, I could flip to that page and be like, they really liked this encounter. They, they're really excited about where we're going with this special, this specific path. So this is where we're going to be hitting. Right. Um, it, it, it's been incredibly beneficial with my ADHD brain. (laughs) Um, to, to do that. And the kids have gotten more out of the sessions when you're coming in with kind of this is the direction you wanted to go last session. This is the direction we're going to go this session. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, my last question for you guys is um, themes, tones. What are we staying away from when we're dealing with kids? I general, my general DM style is very whimsical. Yep. Same. <laughs> um, same. And just 
late September, my daughter came to me and said, I want to do a spooky Halloween session. And normally I don't do spooky um, or scary of, of any kind. And I think she's, she's 10 now and she's at that age where she wants to prove that she's not scared of things. Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. she was. <laughs> um, so I think that sort of evolves as, as you go on. And that also sort of goes into the challenges. She was being so, I'm not scared of this, that she was being problematic for the first time at the table. Oh no. Okay. Where like I had her, she's a beast master and I had her turning into a werewolf and she's like, okay, I'm going to go over here. And I'm like, you feel this rage inside of you. And she's like, all right, <laughs> I'm going to go to that room. <laughs> and I'm like, so I had to have like a conversation with her afterwards and be like, okay, I know that you're <clears throat> not scared, but we're playing here. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, but generally, I mean, the obvious ones, like, you know, big, big adult issues we yes. stay away from. Yeah. Um, my daughter is more of a murder hobo, so she is definitely running in and killing those goblins. Um, so we don't really shy away from like combat or anything like that. Um, cause I think that's her favorite part <laughs> of it. Uh, but just the, the general, I would say big big adult issues we we keep it lighter funnier whimsy yeah yeah you you're you're definitely going more um narnia less lord of the rings right like your 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 first couple books of harry potter not the last couple books of harry potter right like it, it's mm-hmm. there's never a doubt that their characters will get out of it alive <laughs> right it is it is just a will they succeed in the mission itself right um I don't really want my children to have to struggle with ethics at that level right now. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I'm with you. There are certain subjects that are like prime for my Monday night group that I'm running um, for, for that. Right. The lots of quandaries and dilemmas that I could throw at them, whether or not they save the mama bear is about as deep as I'm going with, uh my my kids and that's okay right like you can you can have that level of whimsy and um fantasy that that uh exaggerated color fantasy rather than the deep dark gritty um nonsense right like uh, batman doesn't have to be you know the deep dark knight he can be the the brave and the bold he can be brightly colored and a character um or a caricature of of himself so that's kind of where i'm 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 going with with my with my sessions and the tones mm-hmm. I, i'm not addressing anything that's going to be too big for them Basically. yeah and i think it goes back to where we were talking at the first like don't overthink this or get this too complicated like if yeah. you pick up a a campaign book you are and yeah, you're especially in a lower age group, you are going to be sorely disappointed on how much you can really get through with it. Mm-hmm. I think it's easier just to have a simple like idea that you run with to start with and then build from there. And then if it gets complex, complex enough to start referring to a campaign book, sure. But published material, there's a lot of meat in there. And mm-hmm. sometimes like you don't really need to go down that road or feel like you need to mm-hmm. just like you can make it up along the way. A lot of the time, 
Wizards of the Coast is bringing out more and more and more stuff. So there will be, I'm sure we will be told that there's now a lot of, you know, younger aged, simpler, like storylines to do one shots with. Um, So thanks in advance. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it doesn't have to be that complicated. And I would say with that, there are a lot of third party um, publishers and people out there that have that kind of content. If you look for it, I have had people send me, um pdfs and stuff of i know there was one that was like a dinosaur adventure that was an introduction to like three to four year olds uh, yeah for a dnd yeah. type style and they had paper minis that you could cut out and they could color and those were the things you played with and yeah. so there very much is um things out there that you can look for or even just getting on instagram getting on discord and finding a community you can ask questions too i do that constantly where I will get on um, the initiative orders discord and I will ask like, Hey, I have this idea. I need to flesh it out. What are your ideas for puzzles? What are your ideas for things that they could do in this? And I'll, you know, give them my like sort of outline and, and get ideas that way. So you don't have to come up with it all on your own guys. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Ask the community because the community is amazing. Even get on our Reddit, ask us like (laughs) the community is amazing we will help <laughs> the, the 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 big thing that uh i i was just scrolling there there's this one system that my wife and i looked at kind of it's a it's dumbed down rules it's it's very accessible for for a kid to get into but yeah when it comes to the normal published stuff you don't need to go into it right like you don't you don't really need yeah. to do the starter set for a bunch of six-year-olds right mm-hmm. um uh but the one thing that you did mention is like this tactile element as well. Um, perhaps you build terrain. Um, uh, I run off a table with markers and I give my kids the markers to be able to do that thing. Um, how much of arts and crafts time are you putting into your D&D with kids? Because I'm finding I'm putting more in with my kids than I am with the adults with, uh, you know, here's uh I, I, part of our session zero is, if you want to call it, was literally drawing their characters because they like drawing their, both my kids are artists. So like, um, how much of that do you do with your kids? My daughter is very artistic. Um, my son is a little bit, but not so much into it. Um, so my daughter will sit there and paint minis with me and Mm. she'll, you know, she wants to do all that kind of stuff. And I've even introduced, uh, one of my nephews into terrain building over the summer. He had a day where he had nothing to do and he came over to um, Auntie Pep's summer camp. (laughs) Awesome. And he is very creative also. And he had a birthday party he was going to that was Stranger Things themed and he'd not seen it, but he knew of it. And so we sat down and for, and, and this kid also has ADHD and he is rambunctious and he's out there climbing trees and can't sit still. And he's a hockey player. And so he's always on the go, um, and getting into stuff. We sat down for a whole day, like six, seven hours and built a piece of terrain start to finish that he gave to his friend as a gift. Um, so it's not even just for playing the game. It's, I think, a cool introduction into it until this is 
this is what you can do for it. Um, even if you're not playing it necessarily, I think it's just fun to, to get, like, I have so much stuff. I have my whole like basement is just filled with drawers for terrain building and crafting. And so we just like, we'll pull that stuff out and like, let's build something and it might get to the table. It might not, but it's fun to, to spark their imagination. I think with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's all like the engagement too. like Dan, how you were saying, like one of, one of your girls might have half an hour in them and the other would want to play longer, but sometimes ultimately your game has to end when, if you have two players and one walks away, it's like, all right. And so you can still engage and not like like nicks that massive disappointment is like okay we have to stop like the story now but like that was really cool same love the recap idea dan i'm gonna use that (laughs) (laughs) but yeah like what was your favorite part like did you like this and if they talk about like a town or a person like an npc you brought in or a monster it's like Like, why don't you try drawing that or like make this terrain and it helps them kind of accept the gameplay is over, but they can still be inspired and still think about what they were doing and uh, keep that going. I like, and for older kids too, like my, my niece was very like excited to play. She could play all night, but we had to end the game and it was not midnight that time. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, she just picked up the player's handbook and she's like, I'm just going to read up on more spells that my character can do. She was a ranger with some, some ranger spells. So she just like dove into the book. And yeah, so that was really like heartwarming to see too, where we played for hours, we finished the game. And then I saw her like curled up on the couch with the player's handbook. I'm like, oh, this is great. It's <laughs> awesome. Let's move on to commercial. We're writ long on that section. Let's, <laughs> let's go to commercial. It's that time of year again where we're sitting down to look at all of the mailbag questions that have been sent in and we're going to try to go through even more than normal to try to wrap up as much as we can before the end of the year. So, Terry, Dan and I are going to sit down and blitz through as much as we can, which means you have a two-week window from now to get those questions in. You can head to our subreddit at r slash it's a mimic. You can email us at info at it's a mimic. Hit us up on Instagram or Facebook. Leave a YouTube comment. Go to the website where you can talk to us directly. We answer everything that you send us. So, please, whip out your phone. I said phone. Or head over to your keyboard. If you've got a burning question or you just want to harass Dan one more time before the end of the year, now is the opportunity. And remember, the best gift that you can give this holiday season is to stay safe. A character with kids is not going to be built to the same level as your traditional D&D character. Uh, there's there's going to be some gaps in the information that I think you just kind of got to get okay with. We are looking at, you know, kids who might not even understand the whole concept of levels, um, as well as you mentioned earlier, Peps, like getting them to do just strength roles rather than athletics, right? Like, there's a certain level of flexibility you need when you are helping them build their characters and, and, and get into the frame to play 
D&D. So uh, guys, I, I want to ask uh, some other questions here. Let's grab our dice. Let's roll. We're talking specifically about characterization now. Okay. So let's roll the dice. I got a 17. Six. Eight. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay. So Case, you're actually going first with, with an eight. Um, <laughs> what levels, like what tier have you found is kind of the best place to go when you're DMing these kids? Like, are you starting them at level one? Are you starting them at level five? Like, what did you do with your group? Well, I was in the 11, 12 age range. Um, and kids that were familiar with the theory of D&D, but never played it before. Um, and I opted to build their characters for them just to speed things along. Um, I think you can easily go through how you create that character and give them that freedom first, but I opted not to just to, for my own sanity at the time. In my own interest of giving them a little bit more to work with from the start, I went with level three. So okay. you get you get those extra things at level three. So that's what I did. And I felt like initially it was probably quite a bit extra. And mm. you know, it we had to do a mini session zero just to walk through the character sheets and then what is like the specifics for each one. But ultimately, they rallied very, very well. And I think it yeah. gave them a little bit more personal uniqueness that they could work with versus like at level one, you all generally have only the same type of stuff that you can do. You might have slightly different weapons, but it's really basic. So I think that worked well, but I think it worked well because they were a little bit in the older age group we're talking about. Yeah. For me, my kids, I started them really young. They did not understand uh, levels <laughs> or anything along that sort. So uh, I actually, I do know that there are systems out there that are great at handling this with kids. I made it up. Uh, so um, I sat down with my girls and and I I drew out character sheets for them that were super simplistic, gave them a couple small actions that they can do. Um, and, and that included like spell casting as well. Like, uh, Nora's paladin has a heal ability that, um, is just called heal. It's not lay on hands. It's nothing like that, but it's just a heal ability. And it shows her how much dice, uh, she uses for the heal. Right. Um, so you are kind of teaching the kids some resource management early, mm -hmm. um, and um, without bogging them down with a lot of rules, especially if they're younger kids, older kids can certainly handle it. And um, the one big thing as a parent I've always learned is kids can handle more than you think they can. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. We're hitting the stage now. Both my daughters are eight, um, eight and a half now. And they both have told me that they want to roll legit D and D characters. And considering I started at eight with, second edition i'm uh, my initial reaction was oh you guys aren't going to be able to handle these character sheets then i thought for a second i was like i did a d and d at eight and i came away fine <laughs> mm -hmm. i think i think they'll they'll be okay so getting them into their characters uh with legit character sheets is the next big thing for me but right now they're running if you want to do anything that involves strength you're just rolling a strength check if you want to do anything that involves talking to somebody you're just rolling a charisma check right um, if you're doing anything with uh, your senses, being able to like see or hear, you're just rolling a wisdom check, right? 
there there's not I, I I'm using the terms that they will need to know later, but it, it's very dummy down because I've done it that way. There's not really a tiering system. Um, I've had to kind of adjust the monsters as well so that they're hitting the things that make them unique as monsters. So if they're fighting an ogre, it's doing these big, heavy attacks. It's not running around with daggers trying to be like that right mm-hmm. it i'm 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 hitting the the stereotypes of those care of those monsters so that the kids can experience those like the the baseline but what is unique about them they have fought a displacer beast and we're really upset uh when this thing just they kept missing it even though they were hitting it that's all it it had the tentacles on its back but like it, it wasn't um it wasn't i don't want to say adversarial dming in that in that sense but it was more um, to get them used to what a D&D monster and D&D combat goes, right? And and their character sheets had to reflect that as well. So, um, uh, Peps, what about you running your games with your kids? With our kids, we started them at level one and we rolled up legit characters with them. Um, it was a long process where we sat down, like we took each kid individually, we sat down, we talked about what they wanted to do, what they kind of abilities they wanted, you know, instead of overcomplicating and explaining all 12 classes and, you know, that kind of thing. It's, well, what kind of thing do you want to do? Do you want to be sneaky? Do you want to be strong? Do you Mm -hmm. want to have a little bit of magic? You know, and so we sort of gave them options in that way. Um, And my daughter is very, she loves animals. So um, she landed on Ranger Beastmaster and they did start at level one, but had sort of an idea of where they wanted to go, you know, and, and we laid that out. Well, if you went Ranger, then you could eventually work up to this and find a pet and, you know, do yeah. it that way. And my son wanted to be more sneaky. So he, uh, landed on a rogue and he wanted to, um, he's really into using rapiers. So he wanted to be a swashbuckler. Um, and so that's, that's where he ended up going into, and he just wanted to be like sneaky and stealthy. So we had that whole conversation with them. Um, well, I'm currently working on creating a game for, um, it was actually an idea that I came up with my daughter while talking with her about topaz dragons after (laughs) researching them for this. Yeah, <laughs> we were talking about the different age groups and you know how wormlings would act versus um, adults and and young dragons and stuff. And she's like, I want to play a game where we are the wormlings, and maybe we could be at a dragon school. So I'm developing this in my head to play with their other friend who's only played with us once, and another friend who's never played any RPGs at all. Um, so I'm going to print out the stats of the wormlings and I'm going to tell them, you know, this dragon has this type of personality and this dragon has this personality and, and sort of go through that and let them just pick out which they want to role play. Mm. So, and then give them those stats. Okay. Well, um, th- one. So that way they get to, to choose how they want to play it, you know? One that sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Can I play? <laughs> yeah. When are you running the session for us? Um, but the, the the second thing is that actually it moves us into kind of our next subject is um when it comes to building characters, a lot of that character creation is important to understanding what your character can do, 
but some people just want to get to the game now and character mm-hmm. creation takes a bit of a time a bit uh too much time when you're running for your kids normally are you running with pre-gen characters are you running with um maybe more simple simplified rules like the sidekicks rules and tashes like um are you guys running i mean you guys both said you're kind of running traditional D with your kids um but if you got to be quick and you got new players are you running pre-gens are you running like what what's your opinion for pre-gens for kids are you making them yourself that's that's another thing i've done in the past where i've made the pre-gens to give the kids be like there's a dwarf there's a human there's an elf pick one right <laughs> dan you're next level on that i know you you created like dozens of characters like player characters that you probably just like not yet played they're in the queue for like the next decade that's because so. my characters have a tendency to die casey because <laughs> <laughs> i'm not a good decision maker <laughs> there <laughs> yeah yeah you've you've been at the table with me like a session where my character is has not fallen unconscious is a rare one yeah that's <laughs> yeah. true as the cleric i know <laughs> yeah, yeah especially yeah. since i'm the other guy who can heal so it's yeah, just like, it's like if i, I go down <laughs> yeah um i so i think i would have had to spend a lot more time and I still, I, I built the characters that they used the first time in like their very first session um, or very first, it was their very first time playing. So I built the characters for them just to move into the gameplay a little bit faster. Yep. Um, and I, I use D and D beyond. Um, okay. So yeah. I think it's, I think we need to touch on like apps and some of the luxuries that are in place now to mm-hmm. very speedily create like player characters or NPCs yeah. um, for your own games. Um, and I know like our kids or our nieces and nephews are going to utilize that kids these days, like, they use apps, they know about apps, and they can like, look up how to do it on YouTube. And so I think things like D&D and beyond are going to be what they use to to build their own characters, um, instead of the traditional with the piece the, with the printed DM, like character sheet, and and rolling the dice themselves. It's sad. I know, Dan, I can see no, how sad. No, it's not sad. I'm just, I'm sitting here going, you're right. D&D Beyond is a wonderful resource for character building sponsor us. Like there would be a great, uh, like, yeah. I love D&D Beyond. I'm, I'm, I'm very much not anti D&D Beyond or character generation third party. Uh, back when I was playing Pathfinder, there's a program called PC Gen that I used a lot of on my computer. Um, before D&D Beyond was really a thing. And and uh, it drove Adam, it drove my other DM at the time um, nuts because I would be able to roll up a character in less than five minutes, especially in Pathfinder where there is a million and a half, there's traits, there's flaws, there's feats, there's uh, 40 something different skills. Like uh, everything has a minute bonus to everything. The rules are far more dense. And I was able to play within five minutes. Meanwhile, everyone's spending four hours rolling their character. Um, right. No child I have ever met met has four hours to do math to build their character, no matter how <laughs> mm-hmm. interested in the subject matter they are. Using these resources to speed it up is great. Um, if you don't have access to D&D Beyond, you don't have access to 
like let's even say you don't have access to a computer for your D&D session, having just a simple checklist to help with the character generation, be like, okay, first thing we're doing is we're rolling up stats and we're doing it this way. Don't give them the option of point by or 46 or we're doing <laughs> it this way. Okay. Next, we're doing your skills. Next, we're doing like we're we're working through the process as we go, um, so that we could get to, as you said, the game faster. Because character generation is fun, but as someone who's built thousands of characters, I want to play D and D. The character dies, so I could play one of these guys is great, but I still need to get the character killed to play these guys. So let's. Let's actually play the game. Yeah. And that's where like Pep's made a good, a good point on like, just get a general read on where, what they're interested in playing and it narrows the playing field and you can make a lot of the decisions for you if you're working through that. And even if you're doing the stats, lots of it is, is the same. And then you just narrow it down. And so you can move through it easier. So when you get to those choices, it's like, okay, like what? What kind of race are you thinking? Like, what would be fun? And just give them specific options. They pick mm-hmm. them. It's like, okay, then that means this. Yeah. And yeah. and, and it, it, again, kids are going to be able to handle more than you think they will. Yeah. But in the interest of speed, there mm-hmm. is a certain amount of limitation you as a DM needs to put on their character building process so that you could get to the game faster, right? Like, Don't give them the 17 different types of elves. How many types of elves do we have now? Mm -hmm. You you got two, right? Um, I I would almost say when you're doing character building, try to stick to the core rules. Um, Like don't make a blood hunter, just make a fighter, right? Just, (laughs) and even still the classes within the game that are more, uh, let's say they kind of break the mold. So I'm thinking like the warlocks of the group where it's just, they're so mechanically different from everything else that like maybe, it, and also warlocks are a subject matter issue sometimes. So like um, modify what is accessible so that their understanding and the speed of which that they can gain full understanding of their character um, is is quicker. Yep. And I would honestly say that for any brand new player, like mm-hmm. I'm yeah. going to DM for someone who has like wanted to play forever, is an adult <laughs> and, and is going to build a character from scratch. And that's what I recommended for them too. It's like, just start with the player's handbook options. Don't mm-hmm. like dive into, you know, the, the mm-hmm. like 14 other books that have new subclasses and new races and all of these different things. Just. Yeah, that's it helped you as a DM too. <laughs> like I said, we have three different groups that we run out of our house and our family games. So four. <laughs> Plus, I just added another one where we play things that are not D and D. So five technically. <laughs> Jesus, out of our house. holy. <laughs> Um, but a and lot you of- run two businesses. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. Do you know and, what sleep is? And we play online games also. <laughs> Um, but a lot of our players are new players and I, I approach their character building pretty much the same as I do my kids where it's okay. What is your idea for your character? What would you like to do? And, and you can even water that down a little bit more with your kids where, when you have the skill sets, okay, you get to pick three skills that you're really good at. 
what three things do you want to be really good at? And give them just a broad, like, understanding of what those skills do. But it's, well, I want to be sneaky. Okay, then you're stealthy. Let's check that box off. You know, do you want to be able to persuade people into doing things? Do you want to be big and scary and intimidating? Do you want to be really good at finding things? Um, and just sort of present it in that way. Cause they're big words that your kids might not understand like perception yeah. and insight and intimidation. Yeah. And, you know, I think just giving them a general understanding, you can pick three of these. What, what kind of thing do you want to be good at? Yeah. Um, good point. Is a good way to go about, especially the skills of it. We live in an era where the game is going far more in the direction of being open and free access to a lot of things. When you, we have your custom lineages, you have your custom, um, like, you have rules to make your own backgrounds and and stuff so being a lot more flexible and free with the rules when you're doing character creation is like yes i get it fighters get like five skills that they're baseline proficient in that doesn't have to be the reality at your table right say you pick two and explain to me why your character is good at these two right mm -hmm. and and that's fine that's okay um having that level of flexibility is incredibly important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think evolving it is also important. Like if yes, it's a yes. one shot and if it's kids coming over to your house that, you know, are your kids friends or, um, you're not sure if they're going to continue playing and you just want to get their feet wet, then pre-gen some stats and let them pick their personalities. I think picking their personalities is the most important thing Yeah, yes. and getting them hooked to it. They want, you want them to have a reason to want to be this character. You want them to have the chance to put themselves into it like we put ourselves into every character we play exactly, and I think yeah. that's like the core of role-playing is becoming that character so you don't want to take that away from them I don't think but I think helping them with the the mechanics and the numbers and that is really good to just get it going mm -hmm. when we're talking about mechanics and numbers and things like that inevitably we're going to get to the subject of probably the most complicated area of the game which is spells and how to work spells um i kind of have a rule if you are a first time um player don't be a spellcaster because spells add so much more to the game um and so much more complication to the game yeah my um, first character was a druid so <laughs> not the best no mine was a barbarian <laughs> so like I, I was like yeah okay i get that i i hit the thing until it stops moving i i have my character <laughs> um but when you're dealing with kids how do you handle spells especially since casey you're you're you've started them at level three you now have yeah. multiple levels of spells perhaps you your guys have leveled up to level five six seven now um i think they're somewhere around five five yeah yeah so like you got you got a bevy of options when it comes to spells. How are you guys handling the complication of spells? Yeah, I was well because I did have the luxury of choosing the race and class and combos for the kids I DM for. Um, I was selective. I I offered that to the the niece that I felt could handle it. Yep. And, and would be more receptive and not get too overwhelmed too quickly on it. And so um, I tailored it that way and then just worked through it like step by step mm. and be like, okay, so, and kind of through it as like 
you have a unique option with the class that you're in that you get like access to some spells and then kind of gave it as like you have a privilege meaning you need to work on learning this a little more than other than the other characters that don't have spells Mm -hmm. and did it that way and it seemed to work reasonably well but I was very aware of that when I was building it because I was a little worried that it would be too much. Yeah. But so far, so good. And I think now that there's the baseline, they will understand what the leveling and, and how it changes this, the spells and spell slots does. And so it will work. Yeah. Um, I have very much, because my character sheets for my girls right now is very, um, I mean, I made them up myself. There's not they have their special abilities that they could use. They, like I mentioned earlier, Nora's got her heal ability. By the way, Gwen's ability as the ranger is El Pig Grande. And uh, <laughs> it's when she enchants her pig to be a, like it, it grows into a gigantic wild boar, a dire boar and fights for her. But normally it's just a simple little pink pop belly pig that follows her around. <laughs> anyway, I made up abilities, but uh when it comes, neither of them wanted to play a spellcaster, so I didn't have to deal with it. So I was like, yay. <laughs> um, I have had to play with kids who did want to be spellcasters, though. Um, and I took cues from other games that are far more free when it comes to spellcasting. There's this game called Alpha and Omega. Um, its spellcasting system is convoluted and bad, um, but the core of it was anything you can imagine your character can do literally anything it is the ability of your character that is going to gauge the success of that so rather than having like my character casts identify my character casts mage armor i have um the the kids roll a spell a uh, spellcraft check uh that's previous edition sorry just a spell check um where it's like roll your casting uh check and if you succeed this is the effect that happens um based off of what your intentions were so right super simple super simple right and i'm not managing spell slots i'm not managing the special rules of charm person and how that works it it's (laughs) very it's very simply you know roll the spell check and if you succeed Here's how that works. And as you level, you're going to be able to get more complex and more um, intense of uh, spell actions that you can do, right? Um, One example was simply casting a fireball. The kid wanted to cast a fireball at that object across the the road, like a bandit, I think it it was. And um, with the way we're playing these characters, they're not really high level. Their power level isn't at that if if there was an equal they'd be like level three so they don't have a big large area of fireball but they have scorching ray so like i'm i'm sitting there like okay so you want to cast a fireball roll an attack with your spell modifier they roll the attack i tell them okay that hits roll 2d6 fire damage right 3d6 fire damage there is a handy chart on your dm screen that shows uh you know, the amount like the stock DM screen that shows based off of level, the amount of damage something can do or the amount of health something typically has. I use that to kind of justify the amount of dice they're rolling, right, for this effect. 
if it's a more esoteric ability, like a charm person, like a, um, I don't know, a mind sliver or something like a, a crown of madness level effect where it's like, I want to lock them in their brain so that they, or I want to cast this illusion. Um, then it's, it's far easier to just generate. Okay. You, you make a wall, but you failed the role so they could see through it. It's kind of translucent. They know it's a spell, right. And, yeah. and move on. Right. You don't want to waste time when you're playing with kids bogged down in rules and no, no kids, a rules lawyer, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Especially younger kids. They're not real. They want that cool. They want that rule of cool. So that's where you're going to live. Um, Peps. Yeah. So like I said, my kids play a ranger and a rogue. So the rogue doesn't really have any <laughs> yep, magic. Fair. Um, the ranger has a little bit. Um, so it's more so when she got, when she levels up and she gets new spells, I sit down and, I don't go through every single spell and this is what, you know, they do. I know she likes animals. So like the first one you want to speak with animals. Like <laughs> I know you, I know that's what you want to do. You want to speak with animals. Uh, so let's check that one off. So that way you can talk to any animal you see. And then, well, you like shooting your bow. So what kind of spells do we have there that can enhance that ability or you know, with other kids, it would be what kind of magic do you want to do? Do you want to have ice magic? Do you want to have fire magic? Mm, do you yep. want to have wind magic? You know, and I would break it down more into those sort of categories so that you aren't bogged down with 20 different spells to choose from. Yeah. You can say, what kind of flavor of spells do you want to do? Do you want, you know, ones that deal with minds and illusions? And okay, well, let's wipe all these ones out then. These are the ones we're looking at. Which of these sound good? Um, and that's for, like I said, I, I do a little bit older of kids. For for younger ones, you know, definitely the the simpling it even further than that, I think, would help. Where, yeah, you can make a ball of fire with your hands and throw it, and then you roll this many dice. <laughs> you know, and yeah. it doesn't have to have a name. It doesn't have to have specific mechanics or, you know, that kind of thing. I think just they want the flavor of it. Yeah. Yeah. Kids are definitely more flavor than mechanics when mm-hmm. it comes to the game, um, mm-hmm. which as a DM, I find that frees me up because I can be a little bit more loose with things as long as I'm not being bloodthirsty and cruel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, 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 I find I can be a little bit more imaginative as well because I'm not worried about, okay, what specific rule is it that enables this ability? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and at r slash it's a mimic on reddit you can email us at info at it's a mimic.com where you can send us your mailbag questions and we would really appreciate positive reviews sharing on social media and word of mouth to get us out there when you are running a game of dnd for kids are you running homebrew or are you running um more of the traditional pre-made uh modules level of things now there's been a lot of those things have come out we've all kind of agreed that starting at level one is a good point so um uh we actually do have a small list here uh because it wouldn't be a dm dan run episode without a list um of all of the materials we have that are uh modules and stuff for tier one these are the like tier one published adventures okay we've got the lost mine of fandelver which is part of the starter set that's level one to five dragons of stormwreck isle which is the new 
uh, starter set, which I haven't personally seen. That's level one to three. Uh, Dragons of, or the Dragon of Ice Spire Peak. That's the Essentials Kit. That's levels one to six. You have the Death House. Don't do this. Um, it is level one to three, but they're Agreed. kids. Don't do this. Don't do the death house. Uh, don't do the death house. Um, I would also avoid the house of lament, which is the, uh, Van Richten's death house thing. That is level one to three. Stay um, out of Ravenloft. Stay, stay out of Ravenloft. I mean, if your kids are older, like they're, they're in that, you know, young teenager, there might be a way to modify them so that it is a little bit more appropriate for that age group. But as it is baseline, Death House is an adult thing. Like, in my opinion, I'm, mm-hmm. some parents might be different, but like, yeah. get baby ghosts. <laughs> like, come on. Anyways, uh, <laughs> if you uh, open up Tales of the Yawning Portal, there are two dungeon crawls there. That's the Sunless Citadel, which is one to three, and the Forge of Fury, which is levels three to five. Um, you could do Dragon Heist, which is a full-on campaign that is level one to five. There's a bunch of the Candlekeep Mysteries. The Joy of Extra Dimensional Spaces is a great one for kids. Maz Froth's Mighty Digressions, which is level two. The Book of the Raven, which is level three. You might want to avoid this one. Um, The Deep and Creeping Darkness, definitely avoid this one. It's level four. And uh, Shemshine's Bedtime Rhyme, which if I remember correctly, probably not a great one, but uh, it's also level four. Older kids are probably the best for that. Then there's the Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel. Uh, The Salted Legacy is level one. Written in Blood is level three. The Fiend of the Howl Mine is for level four characters. And then you get into the outside of typical D&D campaigns with Eberron has a module that is uh, called the Forgotten Relics. It's level one to two. You have Theros, which has no silent secret. This is in the back of the Theros book. That's level one to two. Um, you have the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, which is Krenko's Way, again, in the back of the book, that is level one to two. And then if you're a critter, if you got into this because of Critical Role, uh, Wild Mount actually has a few small uh, published adventures as well with the Tide, to Restribu- the Tide of Retribution, Dangerous Designs, Frozen Sick, and Unwelcome Spirits. All of those are level one to three. Um, and then you have Spelljammer if you want to throw some sci-fi in, um, which is uh, the Spelljammer Academy, which is level one to four. There's also a bunch of small adventures in Strixhaven and Ghosts of Saltmarsh that can be run in either a magical school or coastal setting, but both are standalone chapters in bigger stories, so I wouldn't recommend using them. But if you do feel like you want to pull those out, go ahead, but they just may end up feeling a little unresolved. Um, Ak Inc. Acquisitions Incorporated also has a level one to six adventure, um, but it involves like corporate greed and guild settings and might be above the heads of your, you know, eight year old kids. Okay. Those are the published adventures. Are you guys using any of those or are you homebrewing your campaigns? Let's roll our dice and get some initiative for running the game. 19. A, a 10. A 10. Oh, roll, roll off, off case. Another 10. Nine. Ah, okay. Uh, <laughs> so, Peps, are yes. you homebrewing? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Or are you running the published adventures? Now, when we started, we did start with the starter kits um, with the last one of... Fandelver. Uh, Fandelver. Big words. Um, and the essentials kit. We sort of blended the two. Okay. 
gave them these are the quests that we can do sort of options. Um, we have since moved that into all homebrew stuff. Um, so like I said, my husband has a homebrew world that he plays us through in a campaign type thing. And then I do homebrew one shots off of that, but we did start with the starter kit and the essential kit and not running necessarily like word for word, like through every single thing, but giving them the options of it's a good jumping off point um, of having, these are your options. These are your quests. What kind of things are you interested in? What kind of things do you want to do? You can talk with the the townspeople and get a feel for what they need. As a lazy DM who uh, doesn't necessarily want to spend the time to build in a great big homebrew quest. A lot of these published adventures are great starting off points, but I would recommend modify them mm-hmm. um uh the 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 they are skeletal structures they are guidelines they are not the hard and fast rules i mean if if you are starting off dming a family game and you've watched critical role or you've watched stranger things or um freaks and geeks if you're old like me um there there is a um there is a possibility that you are starting off DMing and you have never played D&D either, right? Like you don't exactly know what D and uh, D is. Then these starter sets are great, but uh, give them a read through and, and uh, take a look at them and feel free to simplify them as you need. Right. Um, I find that the lost minds of Fandelver ha- hits kind of everything you want to hit to experience DD, it's it's got a dragon it's got bandits in the road it's got it's got it all mm-hmm. so um i i really like it for that but again i'm modifying it for my kids to start off i'm taking encounters out of them and i'm mashing them together um and um running it that way that's kind of how i would do it and then after that i'm going into a homebrew um environment i'm 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 going my own way right um we saw with the adventure zone how starting with lost minds of fandelver and then becoming your own thing has been incredibly successful there's no reason that can't be your campaigns at home as well Mm -hmm. right casey um i was running a one shot so i kept it super simple with homebrew um it was a kidnapping scenario my my niece's and nephew's mom was going was the cleric and was kidnapped into the mountains by something and so the kids end up playing first and navigating their way the three of them to try and rescue the cleric which was my sister's character so kept it homebrew didn't even think about picking a set like campaign or a module or anything um However, <laughs> now that they fell in love and may want to like evolve either these characters into a full campaign or like start a fresh campaign, I was really intrigued by the starter set, the new starter set. I was just in a game store the other weekend. So I was standing in the D&D aisle for like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'll just pop in and yeah. have a look. And then, yeah, an hour later, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> to me, every Wednesday at a game store. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish. I wish. Um, so I have never run 
any of the starter set essentials kit, those ones, but um, I may look into them. I think, yeah, they're, they're really going to be helpful. I think to get, to kick things off at least Mm -hmm. to get things rolling and get your own inspiration going to try and then evolve it from there and get some confidence as well. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah navigating what you need to prep what you don't need to prep and things like that yeah and and honestly they're great because sometimes you don't want to focus on where the plot is going and want to focus on actually running the mechanics of the game itself Mm -hmm. um, which can be interesting with kids Um, you see things like depending on your kids literacy levels note-taking tracking their loot these kind of things don't happen and could range from don't happen to are just really poorly done. Um, these these are hurdles you kind of have to handle with when you're running with kids. Um, using these initiatives, guys, how do you handle the uh, note-taking side of things, the tracking loot, the tracking uh, who gets what, the, all of that? Like, how, how do you guys handle that with your kids? So generally when we play, um, either my husband or I, also play Mm. with the kids. So that sort of helps. And we keep, as far as like money goes, um, you know, if it's a big payoff or something, we have a group gold pile, you know, where it's, it's for everybody. My son loves to shop for things. (laughs) Whereas my daughter just wants to hit things. Um, so that's their differences. So we have spent an hour before with my son in a shop, like haggling with a storekeeper and wanting to know every item he had and how much it was and how he could get money for it and, and that kind of thing. So he has to keep track of his things. So we do like, but we, we monitor it. We're okay. Write this down here. You know, you now have this, or we will hand it to them on a note card that they can put in their binder um, for magical items and things like that. We give them those sheets where they have the individual cards, like the magic, the gathering. Oh yeah. 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 um, Sleeves. And we'll give them a note card with what the item is so that they can just put yeah. it in there. If it's have, a special item, you know, having something tactile that they could then pull, this represents this specific item mm-hmm. is intensely helpful for all players of all ages, but especially kids. Yeah. And, and we have a million magic item cards. My husband helped um, produce a lot for uh, deep dungeon games. So we have a huge binder filled oh, cool. with magic item cards. Or if there's, if it's just a quick, we found this, my husband's also very good at drawing. So he'll just like draw up a quick sword on it. Um, mine would be like a line with a circle as a handle <laughs> if I tried to do it, but yeah. he's very good at that kind of thing. Or you could even, if you're not artsy or whatever, on your off time, find a picture online and print it out and write the stats on the back of it and yeah. give it to them in that way. So it doesn't have to be immediately at the table, write yourself a note. They got this sword. This is what it does. Find the artwork, make a card, give it to them. Cause they do like having that thing in their hands that reward of i got this cool thing so yeah be very careful when it comes to kids i find giving them consumables is one of the best things because (laughs) you give them the one and then they use it and you could take it away right and then they don't have uh you often this is with character creation and stuff like that as well with kids you get that analysis paralysis where you have too many options in front of you and you don't Mm -hmm. know what to do which is why earlier i was saying like 
cut it down into pieces, right? Like have a list to follow of we're taking care of this and this and this next with character creation. When it comes to items, don't inundate them with items. Even if you're in a high magic campaign where they're like, you have five potions of healing and this orb that does this and this weapon and that weapon and this other weapon that all have different, don't do that with kids. Um, Focus on the, uh, the characterizing items more like, this is a sword that kind of defines who your character is a little bit and you give them that. And that's the one magic weapon they have. Don't give them another one, right? Like it's that level of um, uh, rationing. That's the word I'm looking for. It's that level of rationing. You kind of got to do with kids, keep the magic items few um, and the rewards more material, right? Like you have a, um, you have a new medal or a new title, or you've been given this house or like they're, they're these items that uh, they're not going to carry around with them out in the field that won't make them shut down when they're like, okay, what potion do I use to fight the ogre? Mm-hmm. Yeah, They don't need that. One thing I've also done um, and you're talking about consumables and stuff. I have had games where, like I said, mine are one shots within a world that we play in. So I try not to give them too many magic items myself mm-hmm. because yeah. I don't want to break my husband's campaign. <laughs> so <laughs> it's we helped a dragon save Thanksgiving. So they got a plate of cookies and each cookie gave them two temporary hit points. So, oh. you know, things like that. Um, yeah. I have also done objects outside of the game. We went to a um shrine for the dice gods with a dice goblin at the end of it and once they completed it i bought them a special d20 and the dice goblin gave them each their d20 and i said this is for when you roll advantage on anything this is your special advantage dice so it's not an actual magic item in the game but it's an item that they can hold and have and use and it's a special dice different from their other dice so like now i get to use that dice that the goblin gave me that's so cool i i i was definitely gonna say like my kids their their reading skills are great but their writing skills are not so when it comes to a lot of these items i'm giving them like tactile representations like you were mentioning like cards when they get a potion i'm giving them like a little card with a potion on it and this is the thing you have. Give that back to me when you use it. Yeah. But when it comes to rewards, you like they found a treasure chest full of gold. So I gave them a little treasure chest full of chocolate cover or uh, like chocolate coins mm-hmm. that have like the tin around them. Yeah. And I gave them that. Like, there's your reward. You now have candy. Eat your candy. Right. <laughs> like it, it's it's having those tactile rewards for kids. Okay. I'm a, I'm a, I'm just a giant child anyway. So like, that's great for me. I want that mm-hmm. for my games or <laughs> me as a player. Give me th- like reward me with candy. I just, I, did that. I, just did that. <laughs> I just ran a game for adults and they had to fight um, gummy bears that exploded. And when they killed them, I gave them a gummy bear to eat. Yes. <laughs> and so I was just passing out gummy bears the whole session. It's amazing. Yeah, this works for kids, right? Like you were, you were saying, like even going to the dice goblin and and getting this special reward. You want to know something that your kid is going to go to the school round and talk to the other kids. This is so cool. I got this thing in my D and D game. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, right? Like, mm-hmm. and and 
a pewter necklace with a lightning bolt on it or something, right? Like it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be expensive. It could be handmade. Yeah. It could, it could literally be a bowl of candy. Literally. I just give me a bowl. I want a bowl of candy. And I it doesn't have to be an end game <laughs> reward. It can be an out no. of game reward. Exactly. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> oh, I want to play now so bad. <laughs> yeah, right. Our, our session for today is canceled because a lot of people are uh, unavailable. So I'm just sitting here looking at my table going, hmm. <laughs> today. Um, so the... I'll, I'll run a candy game for you guys. You, you get a bag of gummy bears and I'll say when you can eat one. <laughs> I, I, oh, I always think you're going to ship us candy. Like I, yeah. I would love some Buckeyes. Gotta, it has been forever since I had some jam. Buckeyes. Um, you so... send me Tim Tams and I'll send you Buckeyes. Deal. Deal. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's let's move back onto running the game a bit. There are some more esoteric rulings that are kind of hard to deal with when you are running the game. I'm talking about running initiative with a bunch of eight year olds, uh, dealing with uh, familiars and additional NPCs during combat. These kind of things can kind of bog down the game. I want to know how you guys handle your initiative and running combat. And um, dealing with like squishy D and D pets uh, in your games, uh, Peps. Well, like I said before, my kids have a walking zoo. Um, yeah. <laughs> every animal that we see, they want to keep. I think currently we have a wolf that we saved from um, the Goblin Cave in Van Devlin, um, and a saber tooth pug that. Um, I found a mini for, and I painted it. And then when my daughter decided to be I need to, to see a... that mini. I need to see that mini. Cause like the, the idea of a saber tooth, like, are they tusks uh-huh. or are they teeth? They, like they go down. That's amazing. Uh, scroll through my Instagram. It's on there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's like way, way down. You guys make me do the social media thing. Super far you? down. <laughs> um, but they, you can't kill the pets. No, you, know? you can't. Like you can't, you can't. You can't even really like if you even do an attack on a pet, it's like a grapple. You know, like a spider caught them in their web. You can't use them. You know. Yeah. You yeah. want to? Or they are dragging them, and you have pig. to save your pet. You know, it's not like you never, you never kill the pet. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, um, the one thing that has worked for me is kidnapping the pet. Uh huh. Um, and like your pig's gone. You have to go find the pig. Yeah. Right. And, and that actually brings in the, the exploration a little bit as well. Cause you have to track the pig. You have to, mm-hmm. because when you're playing with kids, it is often going to degenerate into just combat and, and, and more role play with kids than, than mm-hmm. adults I find. Um, but it's going to degenerate into that. So like giving them some way to engage exploration is great. Kidnapping yeah. the pets is fine. Never kill them. Never kill the pets. They are they um, are off limits. If it, there's a fireball, they they are un they are singed <laughs> but unharmed. Yeah, <laughs> I've also found like in instances where I know they're going into like when they did the Halloween session and they were going into this haunted house, like they got this invitation from somebody at a tavern and the people at the tavern said, "Oh yeah, we went to that last year. They don't allow pets. We'll watch your pets." Mm-hmm. So um that is I think another good way if you know that the session you have set up is not friendly to pets having a safe house for them to babysit you yeah. know your pets is a good option also. Yeah, good option. 
Yeah. Uh, uh, how do you guys deal with initiative and actually running combat with kids? We just run it like regular initiative. Um, you know, like I said, there's always one of us that's playing with them. So we help, you know, when it's the next kid's turn and one kid's going, it's like, okay, you know, remember you have these things that you can do and, and that kind of stuff where we'll sort of remind them of their character sheet and their abilities and that so they can make that choice but we just do regular initiative for them and usually it's just three maybe four people playing so it doesn't get bogged down like at a table of eight or something like that um if it was a lot of kids i might simplify it a little bit more but with just a couple yeah um i also regular i also don't throw a lot of monsters at my kids at a single time uh, Mm -hmm. because i mentioned earlier you're really trying to focus on what makes the monsters unique so that they're more memorable for the kids so uh and you usually only have a small window with kids so like you don't want these massive combat set pieces uh, like every single session uh yeah, they're so not going to war <laughs> they're not going they're not doing war yeah, yeah. exactly mm-hmm. so like um at most they're fighting five goblins right yeah. like they're, they're 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 the number of enemies is low and i do that intentionally because it needs to get to their turn faster for one you can't just have a 40 minute before your turn happens again like happens at some dnd tables mm-hmm. you can't do that with kids um so less monsters and i simplify what the monsters do into those iconic actions so that i'm not having to you know try to remember what seven things does the hag do no i pick the one and that's what they're doing every turn right um and that keeps the initiative rolling casey yeah and um reminding them like lots of times if it comes if it comes to their turn, it's sometimes the freeze can happen where it's like, I don't know. I'm not sure what to do. I don't know what to do. And like, of course, it's, you can do anything. Yeah, which <laughs> doesn't you help. Feel like doing? It doesn't, doesn't help. help. Yeah. Choice paralysis. <laughs> exactly. And so even just simply running through the options can kind of help, you know, them get to a decision and then keep the game moving like Mm -hmm. okay so on an action you can use your action to move further you're pretty far away so you probably you might want to move closer and use your movement and your action to move or um or you can use your weapons if you want to try and attack but you're going to need a ranged weapon do you have a ranged weapon and just narrow down the options yeah and sometimes you'll do that and then they're gonna say I'm going to just go run over here and look at this <laughs> or, yeah. or yeah, I'm going to backflip off of whatever, or I'm going to climb on this other PC. And, <laughs> and so that happens all the time. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> hundred percent. My son is who wanted to be like the dual wielding rapiers and stuff will be the first to run out of combat to go see if there's a thing over there. <laughs> like, yeah. Nice you're you're supposed to be the tanky one <laughs> yeah. yeah you're the one with the weapons yeah, yeah. right <laughs> um so we've got an idea of how to run combat role-playing we've kind of got an idea again with kids keep things simple but exaggerated a bit right like nobody should just be random joe schmo make them like exaggerate the features to make them more memorable for the kids it's okay being a little cartoony they're kids Mm-hmm. Um, but we really run into some stumbling blocks when it comes into exploration 
pillar in the game. How are you guys handling puzzles and um, riddles and things like that with kids? Are you giving them tactile puzzles to deal with? Are you keeping them super simple? Um, what are you doing? So with the, when they had to go to the dice goblin, that was a puzzle dungeon that I created for them. Um, and then that was the first, I think, session where they really, it was very puzzle oriented. Mm -hmm. So I did keep it pretty simple. Um, there was one puzzle that I didn't think they'd be able to solve, but I gave it to them. Um, and I sort of put a timer on that. Like I had a, you know, I'm going to give them five minutes to just sort of work this as a way of testing their thinking ability, their problem solving, how they worked under pressure if they're what they were given something where they might not be able to solve it. Um, I wanted to see how they'd sort of handle that. Mm -hmm. um, but it was simple things like throughout the thing, as I was describing the rooms, they went into the first room and there was um, four statues with goblins. They all had daggers. They went into another room. There was six of this thing of paintings. They all had this weapon. And at the very end, they had, there was weapons on the floor and pillars and dice of different kinds. And they had to figure out which weapon did what damage because the whole thing was about dice of numbers it was yeah. the theme of the thing so they had to put the weapons on the pillar with the coordinating dice and i had given them throughout the whole dungeon um hints as to what that was like a d4 does the dagger so there's four goblins with daggers um and that sort of thing so i try to keep it kind of obvious I don't know that they actually picked up on that. They ended Remember, up getting, they're they still players. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I, my husband didn't even pick up on it. And at the end, I was like, you guys. <laughs> yeah. It was right there the whole time. But I do give them puzzles to work on and I do simplify them a little bit and try to keep them pretty basic. But I do put timers like, like that one where okay, you start hearing like a clicking noise and it's getting faster and it's getting faster. And at the end, it just like sort of exploded and there was a cloud of dust and they coughed and then the door opened. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't like overcomplicate it. There wasn't any like drastic, they lost an arm sort of situation. It's just, you were on a timer and maybe the puzzle wasn't solvable and you just had to stand there for five minutes and try to yeah. figure it out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that what I do when when it comes to puzzles with the kids is I I try to give them tactile things. Um, so like I'll draw a picture and then I'll cut it up to create like a eight piece puzzle that they then have to put into order with uh with both of them like the, having that teamwork to put that puzzle together that then opens the door or something mm -hmm. right like um I like having more tactile puzzles with them uh, having um ones that are more brain teasers like math puzzles or word puzzles i avoid those with kids because it, it's it's too high of a level of uh thinking if your kid is capable of that go nuts but for me if i throw a math if i math I'll, they'll probably be okay but if i throw like a word puzzle in front of my kids they're walking out of the door in a minute so it, it's just <laughs> not going to work um so having some sort of tactile puzzle for them like here's um Here's a bunch of M&Ms, sort them into the colors of the M&Ms, 
um, that's going to be part of the puzzle, right? Like have, yeah. have something simple that way as, as a puzzle. Um, that's what I would do for exploration works just like any other thing, right? Like if they're trying to track something, they roll that wisdom check. They roll that survival check. They, yeah. they track just the same way. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a former boy scout, as, as somebody who goes camping, camping a lot with my kids, having, um, nature play into the campaign um and and the puzzle solving is not as daunting as me as a parent thinks it is half Mm -hmm. the time right like kids know different types of trees kids that and they're you remember that show are you smarter than a fifth grader the answer is no you're not so I have a fifth grader she knows way more than me right (laughs) and I grew up hunting and actually tracking animals and like (laughs) my kids know so much more about animals than I do like they will tell me some off the wall facts that like okay (laughs) I did not know that (laughs) yeah my daughter will just start rambling off rabbit facts and things about rabbits Uh that I've never known (laughs) so yeah what about you when it comes to exploration what are you doing Well, um, I'm leaving it very open and, um, then some, some classes especially are more tailored to that. So that actually lets you highlight kind of like the ranger if they have a favored terrain. So you, I try and give, I guess, those those kids the kind of the main screen for a little while especially if like in combat they might not be because there's the the barbarian or whatever so then I'm like we're in a scenario where like a tracker would be extremely helpful (laughs) and so then the kids like I'm I'm like proficient in this and so it gives them the highlight that way if you're exploring like out in the wilderness especially um so I try and like include something that only each specific player can help with or is like their specialty and Mm -hmm. so then when it comes to like exploring sometimes or sneaking it's like it would be really helpful if somebody snuck in there to have a look first and then it's like i.e the rogue (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. like I think this like Dex should do this Um, yeah, Yeah, coaching, coaching when you're playing with kids is not a bad thing, right? Like giving them that direction as a DM. Yeah. And it just gives them a little bit of like autonomy as well. Like you don't have to do much where it's like, I think we're going to need somebody to sneak in there. That might be a good idea. And then the row is going to be like, I can do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or like you come to a door and it's locked. And if like, they're kind of like, I don't know what to do. It's like, maybe somebody in the party could try picking the lock. And then (laughs) that hopefully the rogue like clues is like, I have lock picking things. And so then they step up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This is something you guys probably deal with a lot more than I do because I tend to avoid things like condition effects and exhaustion and uh, death saves and actual death in my campaign with my kids. Um, But uh, (laughs) how do you manage things like the math, the 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 condition effects, the the hip points? The is that? Do you guys have any tips for managing these peps? Um. We, (laughs) there was one session I ran and 
I did almost kill my son's character in that session. <laughs> oh, no. I think he was down to death saves and like he he literally laid on the ground. <laughs> like, <"Bleh." laughs> like while he was in death saves. <laughs> <laughs> until it was time for him to roll to see if he got back up um so I think <laughs> when I'm in that situation I do make it so like this combat has to end before he gets to his final death save so that they can go and, and stabilize him yeah. you know like I'm not gonna let it get to that that far but I do give them a taste of it because that's the game and like so mine my son's 13 so he's you know old enough to sort yeah. of, he's in the eighth grade he's going to a high school you know he's playing more playing like, call of duty so yeah, yeah, should be yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so like he gets that sort of thing um i would say more so than probably your girls do yeah, yeah. <laughs> with, with eight-year-olds uh-huh. um they have not rolled a death save yet yeah and they yeah. probably won't they've been knocked <laughs> unconscious Mm-hmm. right and and they've they've had to deal with that but one of the things i've done is um instead of moving on to death saves um and and making them unconscious and like skipping their turn until they're healed i have given them like half actions instead mm-hmm. so like you cannot do an action but you can move or do a bonus and that's what you get to do while you're at zero hit points yeah mm-hmm. right? um no monster goes in necessarily for the kill, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it's, I'm not playing ruthless when I'm playing with the kids. I'm, I, you're there to, to have fun. It's supposed to be a fun thing. And yes, giving them the, the, the threat of uh, danger is, is part of the game. It's one of the reasons we play it. So it needs to be there, but they shouldn't feel like they're just going to die at any given yeah. moment, especially younger kids. Death is not a concept I want them really struggling with all that much. So like mm-hmm. it's you're getting knocked unconscious. And then if it is a TPK as it is, they're both knocked unconscious and they wake up in a jail cell in this other spot. Right. Their characters aren't dying anytime soon um, Yeah. for older kids. I mean, you're getting stabbed through the heart. There's only one thing that's going to happen and you know what a heart is and you know what it like. Mm-hmm. Older kids, I think, can handle that concept a little bit more. But when you're dealing with younger kids, no, no. Do you guys ever yeah. play like the Lego games where you die and you just sort of like explode and then you come back? Exactly. Yeah, they're my, yeah. yeah. They're like my that's favorite. sort of what <laughs> I do in, in a younger kids situation where and I've played this in other systems where like you don't die and you come back after combat's ended. Um, Mm -hmm. So you might be unconscious or we've done it where you got hit in the arm really hard. So you can't use your shield right now. Yeah. Yeah. Having other consequences. Yeah. 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 And you gotta, you gotta scale it. Never. Yeah. There's an age limit for sure. And even maybe not with new, new players, just don't, don't navigate through death and death saves at all. Like meta that a bit (laughs) like on your side, modify. Um, and I found you can you can give them the responsibility to, like you said, like if they're older, it's like, yeah, if you're just going to run in there and they're hitting you really bad and you stay there and you it, like it like it will knock you down. It will put you unconscious and let them decide and mm-hmm. yeah, deal with the consequences ish. 
Um, yeah, you do and, also have to teach them consequences at this yeah. age, yeah. or they're gonna become those players. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's true too. Yeah, and I have let them do their own like tracking of hit points. Like, okay, look, like, what does your sheet say is your hit points? Okay, you just took four points of piercing damage. So, and I let them decide how they're gonna track it because some people count up, some people count down. Yeah. And so when you have like kids that are like proficient enough in math to do it themselves, like giving them that responsibility too is helpful because then like you have to, you have to make sure you keep track of this Mm -hmm. and, and then you'll get healed and see how, when you heal, you like, you are healed eight points. And so you are back up to whatever. Yeah. Do you guys use all the conditions? like uh exhaustion do you do you follow the exhaustion rules do you follow the condition rules like how how are you managing the mechanical condition rules in the game i just don't think they've come up (laughs) (laughs) yeah we just haven't really gotten to a point where it's been a problem (laughs) yeah like uh, grappling yes being restrained yes yeah uh but like son almost got swallowed by (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Right. And like, uh, but, yeah, but so I modify kind of it in thing, a way but... that just kind of makes it make more sense to the kids as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Like being paralyzed and not being able to use any actions that kind of makes sense. But at the same time, they want to be able to do something. Mm-hmm. So like uh, you, the idea of like you're paralyzed in your arm and now you can't use your shield or, or you can't swing your weapon this turn, right? Like doing the, like, Keeping things a little bit more simplified is always a, a good thing. I don't do exhaustion rules. I definitely don't. There aren't no. six stages of exhaustion with my kids. Uh, the only person getting exhausted at the table is me. <laughs> so, um, agreed. Uh, yeah. Are there any types of monsters, enemies, anything? you are just never putting in your campaign with kids and you recommend people never put in your campaign um, with, with their kids. What do you got any along this line? Like well, the idea of like a succubus or an incubus is, is up there maybe hags, but I, I, I 100% would put a hag in my campaign with my kids, even though they're eight, they're just a scary witch. Um, A lot of the monsters I use are somewhat homebrewed. Like we fought a giant Turkey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I made dice golems out of dice. I glued them together and made golems. You do know that there are Ooh. rules for dire turkeys, right? <laughs> um, I don't, I found, Adam might have sent it to me even. I don't remember. Yeah. Somebody sent me uh, a turkey of sorts for our Thanksgiving game, but um, we've fought chocobos before because <laughs> I oh, have wow. the minis for them. Um, but I would say there's not necessarily any off the top of my head I could think that I would not use. I would modify them. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are some versions of undead I'd probably stray away from right now. There are there's not a lot of spiders hitting my table because one of my daughters has a big issue with spiders. Mm-hmm. Um, and where it's funny to do that to Megan. Cause Megan's got a big issue with spiders as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like throwing a couple spiders on the table to mess with Megan is funny and, and, and whatnot. It's not, it's not that with the kids. It, it's downright cruel. Uh-huh. Then you have to deal with the nightmares. Cause then I got to deal morning. with, well, I, and, and, and the curling in a ball and crying. Whereas when uh-huh. Megan curls in a ball and cries on the floor, it's, it's, it's 
funny. Um, so the <laughs> Megan would never do that. No, no, no. What are. actually happens is she punches me, and I, yeah. I'm the one curled in the ball on the ground. We crying. all know Megan would not show that weakness in front of you. No, no, no. She doesn't have that those weaknesses. Um, there would be a lot of huffing. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, but like most devils and demons, I'm probably not using, um, uh, I mean, if I am, they're, they're big red, they're like the Asmodeus level devil. I, I'm avoiding the Cenobites level stuff, like chain devils and no, that, that, that's not appropriate for children. And I'm using, just using my judgment for that. Right. Yeah. Um, for undead, any of the sorrow sworn will give my children nightmares. Um, <laughs> Gives me nightmares. So. Yeah, and and <laughs> currently in our campaign, we're in a town full of them. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, so like, those don't use those. You don't need them, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, there's too many great options and so many options that like you don't need to push it. And yeah, I think it's so it's so kid specific. Yeah, that yeah, like gauge it. That don't give your kids nightmares. Don't pull something yeah. that they have like. If they have a fear of something under their bed and in their closet, don't pick a monster that could potentially be that. Yeah. Just don't. And I would say when you're DMing for like friends of your kids or, you know, nieces or nephews or that sort of thing, make it more general monsters, um, bad guys. If it's your own kids or if you know these kids very well, you can sort of gauge, you know, on your own. Like I said, you can modify if you really want to use that or if you're running a module you know that has a specific monster in it you don't you don't have to use all the things yeah <laughs> you don't you have can switch to it describe out. it in that way yeah you can turn it into whatever you want to turn it into engage it towards the kids at your table so if they are older teenagers and you think they can deal with that kind of you know if they want to be edgy and you want to use that kind of thing um, <laughs> You can use that kind of thing, but for your younger kids, you could definitely get a flavor of a thing and not use that thing, you know? Yeah. I would say if you've never DM'd for kids, like you should definitely try if yeah. you have the opportunity because the things they come up with, the, the problem solving that they have, the way they talk to NPCs, the things they want to see and do brings magic to the table that I think playing with veteran players you don't always see because the whole world is new their imaginations are ridiculous um bring personal things into it I have created a forest that was called Mrs. Mommy Puppy Dog Forest because that's the name of my daughter's puppy dog uh stuffed animal that she has and that's where all puppies came from yeah you know so make it specific to them to keep them engaged and just let them have fun in it. It does not have to be rules as written. And I don't recommend you do rules as written. No, no. I mean, let them do. take the reins and you just create a world that they can explore and thrive in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <go> ahead, <Casey. laughs> and yeah, I think it's, it's way more freeing um, as a DM. Um, you're not going to have them question your decision on some sort of rule that you got wrong. Or mm-hmm. like, I don't think those are the stats for what you just did or those types yeah. of things that would come up playing with adults, especially like veteran players. You have that freedom 
they will accept what you say generally. (laughs) And so it lets you grow as a DM, especially if you're a new DM. And if you have never DM'd and your kids are just desperate to play and you're like, okay, I know I need to learn something about this. Like, I applaud you for opening the door to it and you can do it. It doesn't have to be super complicated. Like, Mm-hmm. simplify and you can play with them you can play D and they will be thrilled yes so just yeah. just yes. uh as as somebody who started playing when i was eight and is now 37 there there, there are a lot of like practical benefits to playing D that we often don't mention where like you your mind for math and numbers expands your ability mm-hmm. to handle social situations expands. Like there are so many benefits to D and D that starting kids early playing it is only ever going to be beneficial um, to, to their development as normal human beings who are, you know, contributing to society, right? Like there, there is, there are a lot of benefits to it. So I, I actively encourage it. Um, if you are, like you said, Casey, if you're new to DMing or even new to the game entirely and your family wants to get into it, um, playing with kids and DMing for kids um, is easier. I, I use with quotations. It, it, it is because like, I'm, I'm not, not trying to undersell it. It is easier because you're not so beholden to the rules like we've mentioned yeah right? you can be a little bit more um free with the rules when you're dming with kids which releases you as a dm for constantly having to worry about that right you don't yeah. need to know exactly what role you need to make to do this one thing just do whatever makes sense right yeah. and and you can roll with it that way and if if you're running with skills without skills it's easy <laughs> right <laughs> The puppy dog. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you play D and D with your kids and really engage in this level of storytelling with them because it's going to help build your relationship with them. It's going to help them build their relationship with you and teach them a bunch of life skills that they're going to need to know. And as long as you're staying away from the inappropriate subject matter, you're going to be fine. So that'll be it for this discussion on DMing for kids. Now we've got a lot more tips and tricks for Dungeon Masters. So check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. Next week, we'll be exploring a classic dragon from previous editions that's recently been reimagined for D&D 5e. Thanks for listening to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com, as well as a store for some subtly disturbing merch. We also rely on word of mouth to get the news of the podcast out there to the community. So please pass the word to everyone you know that we're available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as most podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Inquiries, requests, and questions for our mailbags can be sent to info at itsamimic.com. So have either of you heard of the game Animal Adventures? No. No. Okay, so I just got the starter kit and I've started running it um, for my kids. It's D&D 
watered down mechanically and you play as cats and dogs. Okay. And it's meant to be for beginners. So it's a really good way to get like kids into it because they get to be the dogs or the cats that they want to be. And like what kid doesn't love dogs and cats? Yep. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It gives you this like really fun world that you can make super whimsical and funny and they get to really dive into the role playing of it versus just being bogged down by mechanics. So I think that is a great way um, to start kids off. Oh, yeah. The the second you start bringing in too much math, right? Like just like. Yeah, yeah. We have talked about. um the second you bring in too much math, it kind of slows things down. So that's cool. So when you like ask for a check, you don't say like, give me a perception. You ask for whatever like charisma strength con. So they're not like having to, what do I add to this? And what is, where is that located at? Like, it's a very basic, your basic stats um, sort of thing. So it, I think that's a really good way, even though the ages on it says 14 plus, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> But, oh. my, my eight-year-olds would devour the hell out of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, is that age range like 12 to 14 or 8 yeah. to 14? <laughs> I think it's probably just because there's like um, violence or, you know, sort of thing that they have oh, yeah. to have it yeah. up that my high, question. But. My question is, when you're doing the character creation in that game, I don't know if you know this, I don't know if you look this in depth into it, but do the different breeds of different animals as like different breeds of different dogs have different stat bonuses or whatnot? Cause a great Dane, I would suspect would have quite a large strength. Whereas Casey's dog <laughs> is three pounds. <laughs> so like, uh... I mean, but you could still have a gnome with maxed out strength. I know what you're, you're right. But I, do, I don't see Loki bench pressing a great Dane anytime soon. <laughs> You don't know what Loki True. can do. <laughs> <laughs> Underrated Loki. Always. Oh yeah. I still haven't met her. And like, that's the part that like hurts my heart. <laughs> yes. She melts hearts. So yes, that would needs to happen soon. <laughs> okay. So Dan, which is your favorite of Thor's videos? Chopping wood. <laughs> Um, okay, so I actually do have a favorite video of his. Um, Knew it. Of course. <laughs> well, I mean, as a big, burly, lumberjack, aspiring man, I've got some appreciation for a guy who can chop some wood. And um, my appreciation, there's, there's this one, he's got like a four foot log that he just has on his shoulder. And then he drops it and just beats the shit out of it and breaks yeah, yeah. it. Is he all dirty? Oh yeah, he's got like the dirt I down the side of his face. I just that one the other day. That's my favorite one. Yeah, I would say that's my favorite one. I legit <laughs> said that to the chat like two days ago. <laughs> it's a good one. It's yeah. a very good yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. As, as a as a hetero male, even I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah I would. I get it. I would. I get it. <laughs> Casey, talk to me for a second, just so I could hear the levels. Okay. I have my coffee. I have our notes on my phone and I have you guys on my iPad. I feel like I'm finally ready. It's 825. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to hit the stop. In the last couple of DMing episodes, we went over how dungeon masters can think about different senses to add verisimilitude. Okay. Adam scripted this. I'm going to have to say that <laughs> sentence again. because <laughs> 
five syllable word and it just to mess me up. And I know he did. I don't even know what that word means. (laughs) (laughs) He did that on purpose. Oh, 100% he did that on purpose. In the last couple of DMing, uh, fuck, now I messed up. Thanks for listening. Bye.